I felt like I kept my composure considering my team just got eliminated from the, the playoffs an hour ago. You did. I sensed no upsetness. That's me being a professional podcaster. Hello and welcome to Basket Bubble, the podcast about the NBA and life inside the Walt Disney World bubble. I'm Matthew, and I am joined as always by my beloved co-host, the fantastic tan line to my Ennis Cantor, Bodie. Bodie, how are you doing this evening? I'm flummoxed after that. That's where I am, flummoxed. You and me both. We are speaking on Sunday evening. Just after 9 o'clock, we just watched the Miami Heat seal the deal and clinch the Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Celtics in Game 6. Bodie, we should start there, yeah? Game 6, final score was 125-113 to in favor of Miami. We saw a huge game out of Bam Adebayo with a career-high 32 points from him. Jimmy Butler scoring 22, and old man Iguodala scoring 15 for the Heat as well. Uh, on the Boston side, we saw 26 from Jalen Brown, 24 from Tatum, and 20 for Kimball Walker and Marcus Smart each. What was something you took away from that game six uh, watching that, Bodie? All of a sudden in the fourth quarter, Miami decided to let Adebayo be LeBron James and just ISO over and over and over again against Daniel Tice. I didn't know Adebayo could do that. That is not something from the from his game that I had I had really seen, and it was it was terrifying. We have discussed before Tice's defensive limitations. It's not a bad, but trying to defend in space against a guy who is just that much more athletic than you is tough. Adebayo's a star. He's just a star. It was interesting to see that. Time and time again, Bam favors going to his left, dribbling with his left hand, and finishing with his right hand. And time and time again, we saw Daniel Tice giving him the middle of the court, giving him his left. And uh, just nothing, nothing was going through Daniel Tice's head when it came to saying, maybe I should force this guy to go right. Maybe just once. And it might be... The, our listeners don't know about this, but you and I took this defensive mm. mistake quiz. And you realize when you're trying to figure out where's the breakdown in defense, you, we may not know a lot about NBA defense. I, the, the strategies that the teams are, are using can change what we think was the problem to something that on first glance didn't appear to be. That might have been, it, it may be that Boston was not ready for that. They just weren't ready. And Tice, like I said, he's not used to being in space like that. If the majority of the help is in the middle of the court, maybe that's what he's shading towards, or he's just not quick afoot enough. I'm just giving credit to Adebayo for making those plays and Spolstra for calling those plays because that put the game away. It absolutely did. And it's interesting because, you know, on the one hand, 
you bring up the you bring up the defensive quiz that that I sent you and I'll put a link to it in the show notes because I sent this to you expecting you to get somewhere around the same score as me optimistically I realized that you were probably going to score a little higher than me I think it was a 10 question quiz and I got five and I felt pretty good that I got five of them and I sent it to you and you said I got nine out of 10 wasn't that much but it was Yeah, it was higher. And it's interesting because, you know, even folks like us who are more than casual fans, it's complicated watching those breakdowns on the court. There is a YouTube channel that I have been following where it's a coach who breaks down these games. And I've watched a lot of the conversations he had about why Boston was so successful against the zone in games five and for the most part in game six until Miami finally went away from the zone but they were setting a really high far to one side screen that would open up the middle of the court for a cutter and you saw this time and time again when Boston was beating the zone defense they were setting a high pick and getting a roll off of that into the middle of the court, which gave Gordon Hayward, it gave Jalen Brown, it sometimes even gave Daniel Tice a wide-open shot in the middle of the court or a great spot to make defenders say, am I going to stay put and guard these wing guys on the three-point line, or am I going to let Daniel Tice try and shoot a 14-footer. And so we saw that finally start to break down in game six. But yeah, this uh, this Bam Adebayo iso ball, I don't think anyone saw it coming, like you said. Yeah, Tice didn't. Even that stuff with Tice, if Boston doesn't go completely cold on shooting, I think they win this game. They were up six with, I don't know, six minutes left, something like that. And they just, they missed absolutely everything. And I thought they were really playing well. And even a lot of the looks that they were getting, they were shooting too early in the shot clock. They should have been working more to get better looks. But the looks themselves weren't bad. And you would expect at least a couple of those to go in. And sometimes that's just how it works. Let's backtrack just a little bit. Since we last had a podcast, games four and five of the series also happened. Game four, we saw Miami outscore Boston 112 to 109. Buddy, the big takeaway for me in this game was Jason Tatum was 0-6 in the first half of this game four. Could not hit the broadside of a barn. He went on to score 28 in the second half, but this clearly was a huge you know, emotional, psychosomatic letdown for this team in this game four matchup. Trying to remember what all parts of that game I watched. So give me a second. And you use the word psychosomatic and you you psychosomatic me out of response. In addition to that, we also saw rookie Tyler Hero for the Miami Heat drop 37 points, which is the most by a rookie in a conference finals game and this kid looked good he wasn't just hitting you know spot up threes he wasn't just pulling a jj reddick and coming off a screen and catch and shoot he was driving to the hoop he was shooting mid-range jumpers this kid looked good so let's let's look at the 
the dynamics between Jason Tatum having a, for the most part, terrible game and Tyler Hero really coming out of his shell and scoring 37. I don't know why Tatum didn't score in the first half. Uh, You can say it's one of those things. You can say it was he's still really young and sometimes the moment gets to you and he snapped out of it. Hero, I I think everybody's confused by, I mean, a little bit confused by Hero. He, we knew he was good going into the draft last year. People said, people were saying really good things about him and were surprised he dropped as low as he did. But to go for 37 in a playoff game as a rookie against a good defensive team, yeah, there's a lot of I don't knows for me in this series. I, I don't know why Boston couldn't figure out what to do with him. I don't know where this sudden jump for him came from. I mean, really, at this point, he's a second year player. And where the season would be starting at a month in a normal world. But yeah, things flipped on their head in game four. Hero was Tatum. I don't know what what did what did you think you were you've watched more Celtics than I did this year. Jason Tatum these last two games has been really slow to get off the starting block. And I don't know if it's nerves, I don't know if it's exhaustion. I mean, we also have to take into account that these players have been living in this bubble since the beginning of July. We're sitting here just a few days away from October. I mean, it's hard to say what is going on in the heads of these players. And and I can only imagine that they're just so mentally exhausted in so many ways. And uh, yeah, I I want to give him some slack and say that that living in a bubble for July, August, September, three full months is so, so frustrating and so difficult. And maybe that's part of it. I, I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of things going on there, and I don't really know the answer to any of them. While you were talking, I did think of one thing, and you're, you're right about the bubble. That's something that we will just never know what kind of impact that is having on these players a more traditional look at this would be this is the first time Tatum was playing in a big playoff series as the favorite. Most people would have said this series was going to go long and it's kind of a toss up of a series, but this was the real chance for Boston to make the NBA finals for the first time in Tatum's career. And every NBA star has to go through that moment where it looks like they should get there and then something prevents them something just keeps getting in their way we've already seen it with Giannis in this year's playoffs we saw it with LeBron back in the day Jordan had his times from the beginning of the NBA until now it just it keeps happening and this might be that that time for Tatum We don't know how the bubble affects people. We don't know what the pressure of that moment when it's supposed to be your moment and you're supposed to rise to that. We don't know how that affects people. That might not be what happened to Tatum, but it very well could be. And nobody else in Boston has been there. 
Jalen is there with him. Hayward, I think this is the deepest he's ever been in the playoffs. This was Kimba's first real playoff run. Yeah, they're a bunch of newbies, really, for this kind of moment. As we look at Game 5 of this series, uh, we saw Boston take a pretty good win on this one. They won 121-108. to 108. We saw Tatum with 31, Brown with 28. Uh, on the Heat, we saw Dragic with 23, Duncan Robinson with 20. And I think the standout thing in this Game 5, and something they really weren't able to get going as far as the Celtics go in the rest of the series was seeing good production out of their big guys. In Game 5, we saw 15 points from Daniel Tice. We saw 8 points from Ennis Cantor. In the third quarter, the Celtics outscored the Miami Heat 41-25. to I mean, it's so interesting to go from such a high-rolling, well-played Game 5 into just falling apart in the fourth quarter of Game 6, but... I mean, I wonder how much of that plays into, you know, Coach Spo figuring out we really got to lock down on the five here because in this game six, we saw Ennis Cantor do his best to try and get that uh, favorable pick and roll switch, uh, whether it's with Jimmy Butler or Dragic or whoever it may have been. And they didn't find as much success in that as they did in Game 5. What are your thoughts on that, Pody? One thing I wondered about when you were talking, you said the big guys produced a lot better in Game 5, was rebounding. And Boston had 13 offensive rebounds in both Games 5 and 6, but they won the rebounding by a good bit more in in Game 6. And two ways for big guys who aren't so offensively skilled to get points are offensive rebounds, which Tice had five of in game five and Cantor had two. And the other, when you're facing a zone is to find those creases when your guards are penetrating the zone and breaking things down. It's hard for a big guy to score against the zone. So you need either your guards to set you up or to get those energy plays, those offensive rebounds. Those are tough. Those are hard to do. You're not going to have them every single time. And that might have been one of the differences between games five and six. As we look at the main takeaways from this series, I think that I said this series would go at least six games. So I wasn't totally out of line there. I felt comfortable with... Boston coming out on top. But one of the things that I'm looking at here, when we look at the cumulative score of all six games combined, what we're seeing is a score of 675 to 674 in favor of Boston. And so Boston had a plus one in this series. But the takeaway for me was in the clutch, when it came to these neck and neck games time and time again we saw jimmy butler and the miami heat closing out really important close games and i think for me that was the biggest takeaway was seeing that even though in the long game boston did score more points by one (laughs) 
that we just saw a Miami Heat team who had just a little bit more grit, a little bit more tenacity to close out these close games. Bodie, what do you think? I thought this series was going to go seven, and the score suggests that this was a seven-game series that just happened to go six. Grit and tenacity, you may be right. It's shot goes in here, a ball bounces that way, and we could be talking about the Celtics having the grit and tenacity. The execution is what I saw, especially tonight. Boston shot way, way too many threes early in the shot clock in the last several minutes of the fourth quarter. Some decent looks. They needed to settle down, run some offense, and they they just didn't. Whereas Miami, they went to those out-of-bio isos. They got their guys in position over and over again in favorable matchups. They found Duncan Robinson for shots. They just executed better. And some of that is a mental grit and a mental tenacity to not worry about the moment or to buckle down in the moment. This Heat team is just, they've been really special with these late game situations. They, even the Milwaukee series, they, they won close games. This was a tough series. This was a close series. They trailed so much in this series. You could really say Boston's the better team and Miami just outplayed them. It's like a race where one driver has the much better car, but the other driver just corners and brakes better. He just knows how to drive the car better. That's kind of what we saw here. One last takeaway I have here is this Miami team, this is the first time they have been in the NBA Finals since 2014. And I'm trying to remember, there was some player who was with them in 2014 and played a pretty big role in why they got there. Greg Oden? Yes, thank you. Greg Oden. You're um, welcome. Udonis Haslam. That's That must have been who it was. Oh, oh right? sorry. The, the big thing with Greg Oden was a, a cell phone picture, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Let's jump into this Los Angeles Lakers-Denver Nuggets series. Saturday night, we saw the Los Angeles Lakers clinch a place in the NBA Finals. Let's go back. Game three happened on Tuesday night. We saw Denver finally pull out a win, 114-106 to on the backs of Jamal Murray with 28 points, Jeremy Grant with 26, Nikola Jokic with 22. Uh, in this game, we also saw LeBron with 30-11-10 for a triple-double. Anthony Davis had 27 points. Buddy, when we look back on this Denver win, uh, what did this say about the series now as we're looking back on it? Uh, from the you know 10,000 foot view this win out of Denver what did this say about this team that they well going back to game two when they really could have won that game they belonged here they belonged in this series the whole time the disrespect that they claimed that they were disrespected by the media and everything I do think they probably got disrespected by fans coming into this series that Ah, the Lakers should roll over them. They kind of won two games in this series, and game three was the one that they just came out 
they they were a step ahead the whole time. The first quarter, late in the first quarter, it was tied at 27. I remember because the Lakers were doing something on offense. And I just remember thinking, it's so much easier for Denver, this game. It's so much easier. They just, this is their game. And second quarter, they just started pulling away. If you're a good team in a series, you're going to have that game where you just, you're better. Doesn't matter who your opponent is. You're just going to be better. And gosh, Murray, he he took the leap this year. He took the leap. We saw it in the first series against Utah, but he was inconsistent. The second series against the Clippers, they just had guys to throw at him, and he didn't break out until Game 7. But he cemented it in this Lakers series. He was he was fantastic. When we look at Game 4, Game 4 we saw a win from the Los Angeles Lakers, 114-108. to Anthony Davis dropped 34 points. LeBron with 26, 9, and 8. Jamal Murray had 32. Jeremy Grant with 17. Nikola Jokic with 16. I really don't remember much about this game. Anything stick out to you from Game 4 in particular, Bodie? Anthony Davis was... They went to him over and over and over again in that first quarter. They were going to establish him. He struggled in Game 3... So they they just fed him. And between him and then what Dwight Howard did on the offensive boards, the Lakers came out with an energy in Game 4 that they didn't have in Game 3 and sustained it all the way through. Game 5 happened on Saturday evening. We saw the Lakers clinch, as I said, 117-107. to This game, we saw Jeremy Grant for the Nuggets with 20, Jokic with 20, and Murray for 19. Murray suffered an injury in the second half, and, you know, the the talk of the whole second half really was just watching this kid who has played so many minutes, played over 700 minutes in these NBA playoffs, and just, like, toughing it out, and was really painful literally painful to watch and then on the other side we saw anthony davis with 27 and lebron james show why he's lebron james with 38 points 16 rebounds and 10 assists in that game five Bodie, what's your what's your big takeaway from game five looking back on that well i want to i want to gush but i need i need to wait and talk about the nuggets first as somebody who is rooting for LeBron to win, there's that weird thing where it's like, well, their guy who's playing the best is hobbled and that's helping. But it's so disappointing that Murray couldn't be 100% to try to fight off elimination. I mean, he still scored 11 of his 19 points in the second half while injured. He did, but you saw LeBron pick on him. Yes. I When Murray ended up on him, for I think it was two, it was almost two straight and ones, I think, in the fourth quarter. And LeBron just kept picking on him when LeBron had the ball, as he should. When LeBron senses that weakness, he's he's going to go at it. And he, he didn't show him any mercy. Jokic was disappointing. He and I think a lot of that has to do with he was playing Anthony Davis. He was playing Dwight Howard, who was annoying and Dwight's always annoying it's just is he annoying his own team or the opposing team and in the last two games of this series he was really getting at Jokic Jokic was in foul trouble he was 
getting beat off of rebounds. He just he couldn't get he couldn't get comfortable. That's not saying anything against against him. He's he's gonna learn from this. The guy's great. But can I gush now? Can I just can I just gush? LeBron. LeBron. That fourth quarter. Well, really it started in the second quarter. He took over then for the Lakers and he he had the glare. The first time we saw that glare was game six, 2012 Eastern Conference Finals against Boston when he scored 40 plus and changed his whole career around. And he had that glare again last night in the second quarter. The Nuggets made the run in the third. The Lakers had a three-point lead going into the fourth, and I don't know how many points LeBron scored in that fourth quarter. It was a lot, though, and it felt like he scored every single bucket. And he hit the shots that he always hits. He started on the left side of the court, drove over to like the right elbow, and then drove back down to the left block and hit some turnaround fadeaway thing that I've only ever really seen him shoot. And of course it went in. He hit a jumper from the right elbow off a of pick and roll, which is like the same spot and almost the same play that he hit over Tony Parker to seal the 2013 finals. Then he hit a three from the top of the key, which is the same spot that helped seal the 2012 gold medal game against Spain. It was like a greatest hits album. He put together all of his best things except for a chase down block. There just wasn't a chase down block, but maybe he's saving that for the finals. LeBron James scored 16 points. 16. In 12 16. minutes. He's... He's very good. Yeah, he, he's very good. He's still the best player in the world. He's still it. It delights me so much that we can still say that in his 17th season. Okay, I'm done gushing. <laughs> As we look at the big takeaways from this series, I think it can be easy to to kind of just let it roll on being a 4-1 series. But I think Denver honestly did play better than a 4-1 series shows. For sure. As we look at this Denver squad and these Western Conference Finals, we saw Jeremy Grant time and time again showing up as the number two, number three scorer on this Denver Nuggets squad. Is Jeremy Grant the new number three guy for Denver? He played like it. I mean, beyond just his scoring, he was playing 40-plus minutes and guarding LeBron just about every time he was out there. That's the amount of work that goes into that is unfathomable. And to be able to keep scoring... And shooting well for some of those games. The guy was hitting shots and getting to the hoop while trying to check LeBron. It was very impressive. And they got him for a protected first-round pick from the Thunder and what amounted to a salary dump. I think the Thunder could have used him in their series against Houston this year. What that means for the future, I think Grant... He has a player option on his contract going into next year. I think he's going to make more money on a new contract than he would if he opted in. The Nuggets could re-sign him, but the amount of money that he's going to command, they might have trouble. They have quite a few free agents that they need to spend money on this year. As we look at the Los Angeles Lakers, they are in the finals for the first time since 2010, which 
they also won the finals back in 2010 behind uh there's a oh what was the name of the player shannon brown that's who it was mm-hmm. yeah shannon brown star player for that 20 i think adam morrison might have been on that team he was as well yeah, as we luke walton and uh, meta world peace jordan Thanks. farmer my those, gosh, those this team two was loaded. Played. I don't know if Farmar played, but Meta World Peace definitely played. But two-time world champion Adam Morrison. <laughs> Gotta give him the respect. <laughs> Speaking of respect, Bodie, this is the question that you were sparring with someone on the internet earlier today, and I feel the need to ask you on the record. Bodie, is LeBron James better than Michael Jordan now? I don't know. I don't know. He's the greatest I've ever seen. I saw Jordan, but I didn't really see Jordan. He's the greatest I've seen. You can make the argument. You can make the argument the other way, which if you want to play the Facebook commenter, you you sure can if you want. I mean, it's just rings with all the Z's. But <laughs> Adam Morrison has two rings. Does that mean that he's Morrison, better than... He's as good as Hakeem Olajuwon. To go to, this will be his 10th NBA Finals. This is his 17th season. He just scored 16 in the fourth quarter to put a team away. He's played by far the most minutes and playoff games of anyone. Just at at some point, the overwhelmingness of the numbers, it's hard to argue against unless you just want to count rings which some people some people want to do and i think robert ori might be the second best player in league history if we go by that one last but not least do you finally respect this denver nuggets team yes yes after somewhere in that clipper series is when is when i did and that is again some of that is on me some of that is on a team needing to earn our respect before we totally give it to them. We, we have to see you prove it. And coming back from 3-1 against Utah was kind of cute, but coming back 3-1 against the Clippers and then competing very well in four out of the five games against the Lakers, they have my respect, and my gosh, are they going to be good next year. The Western Conference is terrifying next year all right so we have it folks it is going to be the miami heat versus the los angeles lakers in the nba finals game one is on wednesday evening bodie who's winning how many games choosing the lakers because of the same reason i've been choosing the lakers in every series they have the two guys who on any given night you can think that they are the best player in the world that he don't have that guy that he can definitely win. I'm not saying they can't, but when in doubt, choose the team with, with two of the best players in the world. I'm going to go six because unless you're playing the Kevin Durant warriors, I'm not going to pick a final series to go short. So I'm going six. What about you who is not emotionally invested in a team anymore? Uh, I'm going to stop watching basketball altogether. I'm just tuning in on Sunday evenings to uh, record a podcast with you from here on out. Perfect. I'm just kidding. I can can go solo from here. Yeah, exactly. No, I, 
I'm going to also say Lakers and six. I, I just don't know if, uh, man, I, it's funny. I had conversations with people in this, in this heat and Celtics matchup and people were <laughs> sending me DMS on, on Instagram and saying, go heat. And I, I don't fault them for that as, most of most of my friends who are who are ribbing me are St. Louisans who, in all actuality, don't really have a, a a regional NBA team to cheer for, and so it's always fun to cheer for the team who is surprising to appear in this far into the playoffs. But I just don't know if they have the I don't know if they have the people to make them make them win in in seven games even if it did go to seven i just don't think i don't think miami's gonna really be able to handle lebron james and anthony davis who are looking very good right now they are and if you were to choose two players to try to stop lebron and davis butler and Adebayo would be near the top of that list yeah but you gotta i mean we didn't really talk about it much and it did come up a little bit early in the first half of this game tonight, but you got to have a little bit of, of concern about Bam Adebayo's wrist. <laughs> he he hurt it uh, in game five and was really, really holding it and being pretty careful with it towards the end of game five. Game six, he, I mean, he went to his left. He clearly <laughs> was feeling better, but I... Uh, Man, I don't know if if Bam Adebayo can consistently shut down Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis is not just a huge presence in the low post. He does most of his damage from 15 feet out. He is what Adebayo could be. Yeah. That just clicked for me. I what all the things Adebayo can do, Davis also does just at a higher level at this point it's a little reminiscent of the 2012 finals when not on the same level but lebron playing durant in the finals and it was like kd can do everything lebron can do just not quite at the same the same level at this point and if Adebayo can play davis to a draw or outplay him then yeah that he should win this series but I, I don't think that will happen. I, I, I don't see that happening. And he's not playing Daniel Tice anymore. So I don't think we're going to see him ISOing three straight possessions down the stretch of an elimination game. I also just put this together as you were talking that Bam Adebayo has the potential to be an Anthony Davis style of player, which, of course, makes sense, right? They're both Kentucky guys. <laughs> they both... L- live into that John Calipari style of play. They, you know, Anthony Davis has a five or six year jump on Bam Adebayo and shit, we may be five years from now looking at Bam Adebayo and saying like, yeah, (laughs) it finally happened. So I I think uh, this is going to be a fun series either way. I think Jimmy Butler has way too much energy and drive to not make this an exciting series. But I think we're kidding ourselves if we're not at least picking the Lakers at this point right now. I think you're right. I think you have to pick the Lakers. It's going to be so much fun for people to look at 
like you said, look at that team that they didn't expect to be here and see this fun story and want to keep picking that. And then on top of it, Spolstra's still there. Riley's still there from when LeBron left. And look up the Pat Riley press conference from 2014 before LeBron left the Heat. The the days before he made his choice to go back to Cleveland, Riley had words for him. He never said his name, but he had words for him. And I don't, neither man has forgotten that time. And there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. There's going to be a lot of motivation for these men. It's interesting too, because a lot of times with coaches who coach LeBron James, there seems to be this idea that they're really just a coach in name only, and that we don't necessarily associate Tyrone Liu or Luke Walton as being the kind of folks who are NBA geniuses. And I think that there was a time where we said the same thing about Eric Spolstra too, where we thought, you know, how can you not look like a good coach when you've got Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade and LeBron James on the same team? Like my dog could coach that team and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals if nothing else. And so I feel like this has got to be some redemption for Spolstra as a coach to say, I don't, I don't need LeBron James to prove that I am an excellent coach. You're right. And I think it's, it's ignorance on the part of NBA fans. Some of it's stupidity. Just some of it is stupidity, but some of it's ignorance. Like we were talking about with NBA defenses, there's so much going on. It's so complicated that we don't, we don't see, we don't see everything. We don't know the influence that different people have. It's like, growing up and not knowing what a conductor does for an orchestra. It's like, I was trying to decide if you were going to say for a train or for, for an a orchestra. Train. Well, <laughs> well that, I mean the way they punch those tickets, I mean, it's the, how do they the get it right puncher. every time? I, I know it's so precise, but i growing up. You just think an orchestra is just playing the notes on a page, but then you start to learn more and more of how I don't even know everything a conductor still does, but it's it, more than just waving a wand. It's more than just waving a wand. They are, they're truly conducting everything. They are listening to every single instrument, every single player up there and bringing out this, taking down that a jazz musician would be the other way. But I, I think the, con, I think the conductor is really, is really where this fits. A good thing about a conductor or a coach is, Sometimes you don't notice them. You don't see the strings being pulled because they did all that work already. And the players just get to go out and do their thing. Just like John Cusack living in John Malkovich's head. Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It took me a second. I forgot. He was the, the marionettes. What a weird movie. What I finally movie. finished it. It was so strange. <laughs> did you watch I'm Thinking of Ending Things? Did I watch what? I'm thinking of ending things. I haven't Charlie seen Kaufman's that yet. New movie. No, I Ooh. haven't seen that yet. I've heard that it's pretty weird too. It is, and I loved it. Well, I've been looking for a way to bring Breaking Bad back into my life without having to explicitly watch Breaking Bad. So 
I'm excited to see Jesse Plemons. Always a delight to see Jesse Plemons. All right, you got anything else? No, I think ending on Jesse Plemons is a great way to <laughs> for the show to stop. That sounds fantastic. Watch Game Night. Everybody watch Game Night. Basket Bubble is hosted by Matthew Moore. That's me and Bodie. That's him. Thank you, Bodie. Thank you, Matthew. Our theme song is by Bad Snacks. Join us next week as we are talking about the NBA Finals. That's it. That's all we're talking about. That's all that matters anymore, unless Lou Williams pops up again. <laughs> Stay safe out there, Bubble Tonians. We'll see you next week. Thank you.